from the Credit Union National Association. This is the CUNA News Podcast. Credit Union people, credit union ideas. I'm Ron Jose, Senior Editor in CUNA's Publishing Department. Today's podcast guest is Jared Irig, CUNA's Chief Compliance Officer. As both a certified public accountant and an attorney, Jared approaches his job with a high degree of technical expertise, but he also brings a wealth of practical know-how, having worked in public accounting, consulting, and with law firms that serve credit unions, as well as direct experience working within two large credit unions in the Southwest. As Jared says, there's a lot going on, and it's his job to keep CUNA's member credit unions informed and educated of changes as they happen in our industry. Along the way, he serves as an instructor at many of CUNA's schools and conferences. He told me he has 18 various presentations and business trips planned between now and December. Here, he offers insight on compliance and advice on resources CUNA offers to help members gain the knowledge they need to safely and soundly lead their credit unions. Madison, Wisconsin is a great place to be in July. Can you tell me what brings you to Madison this week? Well, you're certainly right, Ron. Uh, it's been wonderful weather uh, as com- uh, compared to what we were experiencing in the Washington, D.C. area, more of the humid and swamp conditions. So I love visiting Madison when I have the opportunity. I actually was brought here this week to uh, make a presentation to CUNA's Business Lending Certification School. In that area, we did an, an NCUA Examiner's Guide, a Deeper Dive. That was the session that I led for our year three participants. Uh, so these are experienced business lending professionals that are wanting to come and learn more about what the agency's approach is to commercial lending and member business lending. It's also a good networking opportunity for folks in the business lending area to connect with each other and, and share stories and war stories and, and connect with their peers across the country. Part of what we did as part of that session was to explore deeper areas of NCUA's Commercial Loan and Member Business Lending Examiner's Guide and areas relating to their commercial loan policy, dealing with financial analysis, the credit approval document, policy criteria, thresholds and exceptions, and also a deeper dive into that concept of associated borrowers. We also did a look at the risk rating systems and gave participants an understanding of the examination considerations that they need to be aware of as they take this information back to their own credit unions and lending departments. Uh, We talked a lot about personal guarantees and the financial statement quality that the agency is looking for to ensure that compliance is being adhered to. And then we worked on some construction and development uh, lending aspects, things that would be other tips and suggestions to make sure that credit unions are able to best meet the regulatory requirements in the commercial lending aspect. Let's talk a little bit about that online examination guide. No, it's uh, online examiner's guide. Can you tell us a little bit about, take a, unpack that a little bit for us? Sure, absolutely. So as you know, um, National Credit Union Administration made significant changes to Part 723, its member business lending rule in 2016. Uh, the personal guarantee uh, requirement went away as an explicit requirement in May of 2016, but there remains an implicit expectation that that personal guarantee continue to exist. In the latter part of 2016, I believe in November, the agency issued uh, an examiner guidance document that's really lengthy. It's about 108 pages in length, uh, and it's full of details that really helps credit unions understand what 
the new approach is going to be like because the changes to Part 723 move the agency away from a prescriptive rule to more of a principles-based regulation. So with that, they are, are training their examiners and have been over the last couple of years on how to approach the new principles-based regulation approach. So this examiner's guide goes into extreme levels of detail and some very useful information for credit unions if they will take the time to really take a deep dive and, and digest the information there as to the new examination approach the areas that, that the agency is looking for more risk management focus by credit unions. It gives the, the credit unions a roadmap by which they need to look at their lending department staffing requirements, their senior management responsibilities, and even the board level responsibilities when it comes to commercial uh, lending and the member business lending aspects that, of credit union lending. You say risk management. Are there certain areas of risk? I mean, what areas of risk does that cover? Well, there's several areas of risk. And so the agency right. is looking for a holistic approach. When you're going into the business lending and commercial lending uh, areas, there are different risks than what you'll find it's, with consumer lending, right? It, so it, this is everything from the understanding your borrower, understanding the borrower's needs, asking why the borrower needs the money and why they're coming to the credit union for for the business loan at hand, but it also takes a deeper dive and says, you have to understand your borrower's industry. You have to understand the market in which they're, they're participating, the products and services that they're putting out to the public. All of these things are critical elements as far as the overall risk management process of the credit union. So there are larger levels of risk in many cases through commercial lending and uh, especially when, when we're talking about the significant dollar amounts of some of these uh, participations and, and loan arrangements, complex working uh, with different intercompany relationships and things that simply aren't present with re respect to the, the normal consumer lending aspect. Absolutely. So that's kind of where the agency saying, yeah, we're, we're taking some of the guardrails away and we're allowing credit unions to move and provide services to members in this capacity that really have this commercial lending need. But we expect sound and prudent risk management processes if you're going to enter this side of the equation. Now, the changes to 723, can you tell us a little bit generally what those changes were? Several changes. Uh, we, we've already mentioned one, the, yeah. the, the removal of the explicit uh, yeah. personal guarantee with the replacement of the implicit expectation that there needs yeah. to be a guarantee there. Uh, if you're going to waive that personal guarantee, there are still expectations that come from the agency's perspective. They want to make sure that you're waiving those guarantees only for what they term financially strong borrowers. And there's six, six different criteria, I don't have those in front of me right now, that you would want to make sure that you cover in order to make sure that your borrower is a financially strong borrower, low, low LTV, loan to value ratios, uh, you know, good history of repayment, et cetera, that goes into that equation. Additional changes were some policy changes. They want to see some different things in the policies of credit unions. They want to see more by way of procedures. How is the, how is the credit union going to manage if you're in the construction and development lending space? There are going to be a separate, separate set of procedures. You need to have disbursement procedures. You need to have draw procedures. You need to have budget approval procedures and make sure you don't have intervening liens from mechanics men or material men's lease, uh, liens that can crop up and 
uh, impair the collateral for the credit union. So various changes that were made to 723 that allow credit unions to do more to serve the, the business community, but also bring with that some additional expectations from the agency and say, okay, let's make sure you understand what you're getting into. Let's make sure you understand your borrower. Let's make sure you understand the borrower's industry that they're serving. And let's make sure that the credit union has the adequate expertise on staff. The two-year requirement that was explicit for credit union expertise has gone away, but you still have to prove that you're competent in risk management practices in the business lending and commercial lending area. So you've got to make sure you have qualified lending staff in your lending department. You've got to make sure you've got senior management members that understand the risks associated with commercial lending. You've got to make certain that the board understands and appreciates the risk associated with commercial lending and member business lending activity. And not only do they understand, but they are monitoring the credit union's progress in this area. They're monitoring the portfolio. They're monitoring each of the lending relationships. They're monitoring the credit risk rating systems and ensuring that appropriate actions are being taken if something falls off the rails, if you will, right? So if a loan becomes impaired, then the board needs to be notified. The board needs to be brought into the discussion in certain instances and saying, hey, here's the whole picture so that the board can properly manage and mitigate the risks associated with this specialized type of lending. And that does take a special kind of executive, doesn't it? To really understand the different types of businesses Absolutely. and the different types of risk involved. Absolutely. There, there's a multitude of risk. You have everything from the financial risk. You've got possible reputational risk. If something goes south on, on a large loan that the credit union is involved with, So it's something not to be taken lightly. There's a great opportunity for credit unions to do quite well in commercial lending and serve the members. In years past, some credit unions were constrained and they would say, you know what, we're losing business to the banks down the street because we can't offer the same types of products and services from a commercial lending perspective. Now that's changed with the revisions to Part 723, but it's not completely permissive. It's 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 permissive, but you need to be able to demonstrate competence by way of your lending personnel, your management of your credit union, and how you're actually going to manage the additional risks that are associated with this commercial lending aspect. Does it feel like credit unions are starting to get their legs under them in in the business lending market? You know, I think they are. I think we're seeing some significant progress from some of the folks that we're visiting with. We're seeing a thirst from some of these commercial lenders and member business lending personnel and, and professionals from credit unions, they're coming to CUNA and saying, help teach us, help help us understand the pitfalls, help us understand how we can grow our business and market it effectively, but also help to make sure that we are remaining safe and sound from a credit union regulatory perspective. We're maintaining regulatory compliance and that we can actually hold a good conversation with our examiners so that it's more of a learning and participative process. We have an informed dialogue. It's not a gotcha situation right. in an examination situation. That's what I mean. You know, it's it's more of a partnership, helping the regulator understand the credit union and that the credit union fully grasps all of the intricacies that are involved with commercial lending, but also for the credit union to have a good dialogue on the other side with the examiner and say, Here are the concerns from a safety and soundness perspective from the agency, and here's how the credit union and the regulator can work together to make sure everybody walks away feeling good. And at the end of the day, the number one concern is that the member is being served. And um, one thing you you mentioned that 
that I remember learning from, from another CUNA school is that the, NCU, the NCUA was moving towards a less prescriptive process and more towards a principles-based examination process. What have you heard from credit union as, as to how that approach is proceeding or what, how do you feel it's proceeding? Well, that's an excellent question. And it certainly has removed itself from the, the more prescriptive and gone more towards the principles-based examinations. I think there's a little bit of uh, subjectivity that enters the equation there. And so, you know, certain examiners at the field level may take a different approach in, in certain regions or with certain credit unions. And they need to make sure that they understand. So while the, the prescriptive requirements of Part 723 are no longer there and you don't have to ask for permission for certain waivers and things of that nature, you still have to be able to have that conversation with your examiner and give them a comfort level and say, yes, we are taking these additional risks, but we also understand our borrower. We understand the financial statements that have been presented to us. We have looked at the financial projections. We have looked at the guarantor relationships and all of the global situations that can impact that lending relationship so that we're comfortable saying we've got some mitigating controls in place to manage that risk effectively for our institution. Okay. I, I guess so, sort of to move on, but at the same time, stay with the school. What are some of the other big issues that the, that the business lending school attendees were talking about? Well, I think there's a lot of questions about what goes in my policy and what doesn't go in my policy. And so if you look at the regulatory text, there's certain things that actually have to be covered in the policy. If you look at the examiner's guide, there's other areas where the examiner's guide says you need to make sure you've got nine to 10 different areas. Then there's other publications that NCUA has put out on what considerations to have when you're developing a, a member business lending program. So you're going to want to take a look at, at a lot of those things. So I think there's a little bit of confusion on the part of credit unions by, by way of what do we include in our policy versus what do we include in our procedures? Certainly, some credit unions take the approach that there, there should be a, a policy that's only a few pages in length. And other credit unions take the approach and say, no, we need to have more meat in our policy. And, and other credit unions say, we're going to have a medium-sized policy and we're going to put a whole lot of details into the procedures. Like we're going to have a 90-page procedures manual in, the, in, the, in these areas. And again, I think it's a subjective decision on the part of the credit union. Certainly your examiners are going to have con considerations that they want to tell you, here's what we think should be or should not be included in the policy, or here's what we think should or should not be included in your procedures. But at the end of the day, the credit union should be the one making the determination and looking at it holistically and saying, what, does, what are our products and services? Who are our members that we're serving? Uh, what are the risks associated with those borrowers that we're serving? And that should be what dictates, in accordance with the regulatory requirements, of course, yeah. uh, that should be what dictates what level of detail you put in your policy and or your procedures. What's your feeling? I'm, I guess my understanding, and admittedly, it's very limited, <laughs> but um, is that policies should be relatively simple and procedures should be more detail-oriented. But I guess, I guess that said, I'm asking you the question. I mean, where, where, do, where do you fall on it. Well, I, th I think that's, uh, that's kind of where I fall on it, I, I would say. But again, I think you have to look at the complexity of the products and services yeah. that you're offering. Again, understand your borrowers, right? And, yeah. and, and so you're going to have the required contents in your loan policy. You want to have the loan types, the trade area, your portfolio co concentration limits. 
your single borrower limits, your your qualification and experience requirements for your lending staff that we've previously talked about, your loan approval processes, uh, the underwriting standards and risk management processes, all of those things you're going to want to make sure those are the required contents of your commercial loan policy. Uh, that being said, there's other things that you're going to want to expand further on in your procedures and say, okay, here is what we expect from an experience requirement for our lending staff. Here are the actual rules of the road for the underwriting considerations for the loan types that we are going to lend to our borrowers. And that would be more appropriate tailored in those procedure documents. And, and, and your examiner is going to have something to say either Absolutely. way about that Absolutely. as well. So. And now, the, the, the approach that the agency is taking is that it is not NCUA's role to actually underwrite sure. these decisions. Sure. But let's, let's face it, we're going to have some extensive dialogues with our examiners. It's a people process. Absolutely. And, and it goes both, both ways. There has to be a, a good dialogue. And that's, that's what we've had conversations with NCUA about, they have shared with us, we expect the credit unions to actively manage the risk associated with commercial lending, and we want to engage in robust dialogues as part of our examination process so that we understand that the credit union fully comprehends the risks associated with this type of lending. Now, moving on to your day-to-day job, when you're in Washington, what's keeping you busy? Well, uh, there's always job security when it comes to a credit union's compliance function, yeah, right? I so, figured, yeah, well so there's said. there's a lot going on. There's everything. Uh, some credit unions are wrestling with the GDPR, the European regula- Union's regulations, or the general data protection regulations. Many credit unions don't have to worry about that, but there are other things on the horizon. What I would term a GDPR light version of a privacy rule that has been changed in in the state of California. As we all know, sometimes California enacts uh, various laws that can have a a percolating effect that kind of pervasively move across the country. So we're watching things like that. There continue to remain questions around the the newly enacted law, Senate Bill 2155, that President Trump signed. Uh, Some of those provisions went into effect on May 24th when the president signed uh, the legislation. And, and others uh, go into effect later. Some of them require implementing regulations by other agencies like the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, et cetera, and others became effective upon enactment. So we're getting a lot of questions uh, from credit unions about those various provisions of that law. Uh, the Home Mortgage Disclosure Act changes and those reporting changes that have been talked about over the last year or two, additional reporting requirements there are keeping credit unions busy. They're always active questions that we receive on mortgage lending. Uh, We're also seeing a new provision under Regulation CC that went into effect in the early part of July of this year with respect to some indemnity provisions on remotely deposited uh, items, a remote deposit capture of your checks when you sign the back of your check and you take a picture with your iPhone or your Android device and put it in your checking account. There are some new indemnity provisions that went into effect in, in the early part of July of this year based on a new final regulation there. So there's always something going on, and yet additional uh, information with respect to NCUA's um, new voluntary mergers rule that went final. We're looking at aspects along those lines. We're not sure what's going to come for the rest of this year, but we do expect some additional rulemakings, hopefully to clarify some of those provisions that credit unions are continuing to ask questions about with respect to Senate Bill 2155 that went into effect uh, earlier this year in May. So I expect that we'll get some clarity, hopefully sooner rather than later, 
And I know credit unions would appreciate that as they as they approach the end of the year, especially as budgeting season comes up, right? We're always curious about what types of additional resources from a compliance angle we're going to need to have on board in order to make sure that the organizations in compliance with federal laws and and regulations, as well as the state laws and regulations. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. So I do I do appreciate you kind of clarifying that for me. And uh, is there anything that keeps you up at night? I mean, generally, I mean, what's your biggest worry? Well, I'll tell you that regardless of whether regulations get rolled back or whether we have new ones promulgated or new laws enacted, those are regulatory changes. And the entire regulatory change management process that credit unions have had to deal with over the last several years and that I I foresee continuing into the future uh, are going to continue. So credit unions being able to manage that regulatory change management process and implement those regulatory changes into forms changes, into disclosures changes, into training and education changes, and into policy and procedure changes. That's always an eternal battle for many credit unions. And the the, uh, pace at which the regulatory change has occurred over the last many years has been like thousands of pages of regulations flying from the sky. And so credit unions are basically trying to pick up every single page and understand every single word on every single page and what that means in translation to the offerings of their products and services for their members and making sure that they're doing it in a regulatory compliant fashion, making sure that they're not going astray from the regulatory requirements from the regulators and ensuring that they can continue doing business in a profitable manner. Uh, Because at the end of the day, we are not trying to add additional costs to our members, but every regulatory change that comes down that requires additional changes, additional disclosures, additional training, or tweaking of our policies and procedures could possibly impact our members. And we're here to provide services to our members as efficiently as possible at a lower cost than what they can find otherwise in the financial marketplace and make sure that they are provided with adequate returns on the monies that they deposit with us. So at the end of the day, the regulatory change environment keeps me up at night thinking about how credit unions will continue to stay ahead of the regulatory curve. And at the same time, your job and our job with CUNA is to help them make that a little easier for them. Absolutely. That's what we're here here to do. We're trying to provide as many resources, tools, charts, checklists, regulatory information, and policy implementation resources as possible to make the credit unions' jobs easier. And to that end, what are some additional compliance resources that credit unions have through through us? Certainly. Well, this is a perfect time to be considering that because as we approach the fall, we have many different offerings. Certainly, we've got uh, different webinars and training that we have that folks can do on a self-study basis or live webinars. But we also have some important face-to-face regulatory compliance events coming up. Our regulatory compliance school is being held in Denver uh, in September of this year. So I would encourage folks to consider attending that if they haven't made plans to do so already. Uh, We also have our Bank Secrecy Act conference that's in November in Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, We will have subject matter experts there, always from the National Credit Union Administration, from FinCEN, and from other Bank Secrecy Act-focused areas. We've also got our Governance, Risk, and Compliance Conference that will be held in San Diego in September. Many of these events provide the opportunity for credit union professionals to come together, not only network with their compliance peers, but learn from subject matter experts about the latest issues that are impacting credit unions and help them 
provide additional resources and tools that they can take back to their shops. Uh, another conference that's going on is actually in, in October. That's our, our CUNA Attorneys Conference. And so uh, credit union counsel, whether outside counsel or in-house counsel, can come to the credit union attorney conference and learn from legal practitioners about different compliance issues, litigation issues that are impacting credit unions. So there's a plethora of, of different resources that CUNA provides that we hope credit unions will definitely learn more about, reach out to us and ask questions and take advantage of. There's really something, and I, I know I'm preaching to the choir, but there's really something to be said about sitting with a group of your colleagues, learning from an expert, and just talking, talking about that for a couple hours. That's just, that's just an invaluable experience, and it's very rewarding for a pro- professional. I, you know, I don't care what your business is. It's the take-home value of that just can't be calibrated. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree with you, Ron. The networking capabilities that we provide to our, our members here at CUNA are, are really beyond belief. And, and it's those networking relationships and the ability to pick up the phone and call someone and say, hey, what's your story on this? What's your take on X, That's Y, or I mean, Z? Yeah. Or, or send them a quick email or an instant message and say, I'm really struggling with X, Y, Z issue. What's your opinion on this? That, that networking capability can, can also be enhanced by these face-to-face interactions. You take away meaningful relationships that last sometimes a lifetime that can really add value to not only the individuals that participate in these events, but the credit union service that they provide to their end user members. And kind of, I know we talked a little bit about this before we started, and I, and I, and I want to share this with our listeners too. I think they would enjoy this. Can you just kind of tell me about what your first job was out of school and kind of what your path to CUNA was? Sure, absolutely. So um, when I went to law school, uh, I, before law school, I worked with Ernst & Young. I'm, I'm a certified public accountant and I worked there. And as part of a special engagement, the financial institution practice leader came to me and said, I'd like for you to go to a large credit union and help them establish an internal audit function. So I spent about a year with a credit union by the name at that time was American Airlines Employees Federal Credit Union, helping them to get their audit function up and running. Um, Subsequent to that, I went to law school and I I rejoined American Airlines as their compliance officer and was promoted to their assistant general counsel and director of compliance. Uh, Had some significant mentors along the way, some of whom are, are still with the credit union. Uh, especially their general counsel, Faith Anderson, and their former CEO, John Tippetts. Um, as part of that experience, it allowed me to learn more about the operations of credit unions. And then after that, I went to work uh, with a law firm in Texas that represented credit unions. So we did everything from compliance to board governance, education and training. And I actually established a compliance program there within the law firm where we partnered with a third party entity to provide more full service compliance resources for credit unions in the state of Texas. That led me to an opportunity to uh, join CUNA as the National Trade Association from an advocacy angle. And uh, that's kind of how I ended up in the Washington, D.C. area. Certainly, you can understand from how I speak and the accent by which I I, I use uh, that I am not a Washington, D.C. native, but uh, that's my path, and I'm happy to be part of the credit union movement. And uh, in general terms, can you just tell us what is the best business advice that you've ever received? Certainly. Well, I think from a compliance perspective, it's always best to think before you speak. If you don't know the answer off the top of your head, try not to provide an answer off the cuff. The best approach is to uh, look at the person that's inquiring of you and say, you know what, I'm not certain of that, but let me research that and I will get back to you with the correct answer. 
I think that is invaluable advice from a compliance perspective to understand your audience and understand that people are relying upon what you're sharing and people are relying upon your expertise as compliance professionals. So whether you're providing that compliance advice inside your shop or whether you're doing it externally, it's always best to think about the answers that you give before you actually submit them. Thanks for listening to the CUNA News Podcast. Subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and Google Play.